Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Welcome again to Horizon West Church and good morning. Uh, you'll notice our upfront area looks a little bit different today. This is not a preschool nap time area. If you have seen the pillows and the mats, I know it looks like that. Um, the purpose is actually much different than that. This morning, uh, when we get to the end of the service, and I want to tell you up front so you can just be ready for it, but when we get to the end of the service, we want to give opportunity for those of you that need to grieve, uh, that need to uh, just lay something down before the Lord to do that. We meet in a school, uh, so we're improvising. Um, But we wanted to make sure that top priority today was to allow you uh, to, in your own heart of hearts, um, to do business with God. And I I know, and I shared with somebody this morning, I was was not aware of the amount of pain that people walk through um, until I began pastoring. Um, And what I have found is that for so many of you, uh, just beneath the surface, and you're all good-looking people, but just beneath the surface, um, you're hiding something, and, and, and that, that pain is, is just buried deep in there. And my desire and our team's desire this morning is that you would just allow that mechanism that kind of keeps that hidden and tucked away, that you just allow God to remove the mechanism today and to grieve and to tap into what is going on in your heart um, and to allow God to do what only he can do for you this morning. So today we're continuing a series we're calling Hashtag Blessed. It's based on uh, what we call the Beatitudes and, and the statements of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, first 12 verses. Um, and what we want to do each week with this series is we want to look at a lie that limits the blessing of God from flowing into our lives. So if I had to put it in that context, last week's lie that we looked at was the lie that I'm not spiritual enough to be blessed. And of course, Jesus says... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Which means that the recognition of spiritual lack does not disqualify me from receiving God's blessing. It's actually the very thing that qualifies me to receive it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, I want to read for you verse 4. Matthew chapter 5, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. This is the next statement of Jesus in the passage. He says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If I had to pinpoint the lie that Jesus is addressing in this passage and that we'll unpack this morning, it's this lie. I am in too much pain to be blessed, right? Blessing is for the happy people. Blessing is for the wealthy people. Blessing is for those who are prospering, who have great marriages, whose kids all did exactly as they intended them to do. Blessed are those people. And Jesus says, actually, blessed are those who mourn. I wonder if Jesus is recalling the times when he and the disciples have walked past the temple courts and seen beggars begging, and, 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 they, and, and Jesus says, blessed are the poor, right? Blessed are those who are like this spiritually. And here I wonder if Jesus is recalling maybe the funeral processions that they would have passed on the streets of Jerusalem and saying, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who grieve, those who weep and wail in the streets because they will receive something that only comes to those who grieve in that way, they'll receive the comfort of God. This week, as I was in the midst of preparation for this message, 
Friday morning, got a text. The text was from one of our members, Kristen Best, and he said, hey, I don't know if you heard yet, but wanted to make sure that you knew. One of our members, Bev Brown, dear woman, woman of God, sister in Christ, stands at the back of the auditorium and works on our guest services team every Sunday. Find out that her son, 30-year-old son, was, uh, died during the night on Thursday night, 2.30 in the morning. Complications from some things that led to respiratory failure, that led to cardiac, and, and I got that text. And So what do you do? You put this aside and you show up, right? There's so many times in the life of Jesus when we see this mission-critical stuff that he's doing, like saving the world, it's kind of a big deal. And yet somebody will come to him and go, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm blind. Make me see. Jesus, uh, uh, deliver me from sickness. Jesus, my child is dying. And, and we see Jesus allowing himself to be interrupted to administer the comfort of God, even in the midst of his mission. You know, this year, as we have gotten into 2020, we've been talking a lot of mission. And, and if you're uh, not familiar with it yet, this Jesus wall over here is it, this gospel conversations while we've gotten a vision, we think from the Lord to see a thousand gospel conversations happen through Horizon West Church members. We, we want to be about that. We want to be on mission. But I think in the heart of God and in the heart of Jesus, it's okay to take a time out and say, today we want to focus on something a little different than just the mission. We want to focus on the pain and the hurt and the heartache that we're experiencing as a community. And we want to address that. And we want to leave that at the feet of Jesus today. Well, where do you turn when you're in the middle of a storm like that? When you get that text, when you get that phone call, that you know your life is never going to be the same, where do you turn? See, because storms come at us. In fact, one person said everyone is either in a storm, going into a storm, or coming out of a storm. Right? Like, that's just life. None of us are immune to it. And being saved, following Jesus, doesn't put us on a separate track where, oh, now all of a sudden we don't face those things. If anything, it seems sometimes the storms can become more frequent. And so what do we do with those storms? Because see, sometimes the storms are storms of sudden and unexpected loss, like what Bev is walking through. I'll never forget at the age of 16 years old, having had a relatively easy life up to that point, I was at tennis practice, sophomore in high school, and my tennis coach wa walks over and said, hey, Chris, I, I need you to come over here. Your, your dad's here. And that was unusual, kind of right in the middle of tennis practice, get pulled off the court. And as soon as I saw my dad, I knew something was wrong. My dad walked up and got this far away from me. He said, Papa Jack's dead. Papa Jack was my grandfather. He was my, my doubles partner when we played our two older brothers. He was the, the grandfather that took us to Disney World and allowed us to do all the things that we couldn't afford to do as a family. He was a dear friend, an incredible man of God. And in one instant moment, it was like this storm just came over. That kind of storm, I would use the metaphor, that's like a tornado, right? Like, I had no idea it was coming. There was no indicators. There was no prior warning. All of a sudden, it's just there. I'm in the middle of it, and I don't know what to do with it. And just one month later, still at the age of 16, my family would begin walking through a storm of another kind. Because see, some storms are the storms of gradual and inevitable loss. Loss like when my parents gathered the seven kids in the living room, just gotten back from Papa Jack's funeral in Michigan, and said, kids, we need to tell you um, that mom had an appointment and they have found cancer. Whew. Here we go again, 
right? But this was different. This wasn't, this wasn't the tornado where everything's just going. It, this was more like what we're very familiar with in Florida. This was the storm like a hurricane. We're watching the thing develop. Category two, is it a three? Is it a four? We're going to make it. We're going to prepare for it. We're going to prepare for a hurricane, right? We can, we can do some things here. And yet, you can prepare, but you're never really prepared when it happens. And on May 1st of 2000, at the age of 18, my mom went to be with Jesus. And you go, man, God, we prayed. You know, we, we, we believed, we had faith. There's these promises in Scripture that say if we'll walk in faith, if we'll believe that we're going to see mighty miracles, and we believed all of that. And yet there we were in yet another storm. And I got to tell you, I came out of that storm feeling a little numb. In, in fact, all the way through my mom's final hours and her funeral and all of those things, and from the age of 18 to the age of 30, I didn't cry. I didn't shed a tear. And I, I've tried to get under the hood and go, man, what was going on there? Like, what was the psychology of all that? Ultimately, on uh, May 29th of 2012, I'm going to share with you a lot of my own story before we get to where we're going, but May 29th of 2012, um, we're doing a date night. We didn't have kids yet. Nikki was pregnant with our first Addie. And when I let her pick the movie, it's always something, not crazy, but it's just different than I would choose. (laughs) So she's like, I want to watch Stepmom. Anybody remember that movie? It was already an old movie then. It was already an old movie then. And, uh, And I didn't really know the context of the movie, right? It's like, I'm watching, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, whatever. Like, I'm not watching Stepmom when I'm growing up. So I didn't. Well, if you know the context, it's about a mom who's dying and kind of handing the family off to the stepmom. And I was fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I was fine for about an hour and a half until it got to the final scene of the movie. And the little boy is showing his mom that he's learned how to tie his own shoes. And y'all, something hit me for the first time. Like, I, I was 30 years old at this point. I wasn't a little boy anymore, but for the first time it hit me like, that was my mom, you know, like she was, everybody loved her. She was like the church mom, like all my friends were grieving, but like at the end of the day, that was my mom. And I started going, <sighs> you know, just like in the couch, like <sighs> trying to keep it together. And within two minutes, I'm just, just gushing, just bawling my eyes out. Now, remember, I hadn't cried since I was 18, so my wife had never seen this. And she's incredible. She's just holding me and after about 10 minutes, I'm like, baby, I got to go for a walk. Like, I just need to, you know, so I go for a walk. And it was just this flood of emotion of tapping into like, God, I, I needed a mom. I, I, I needed her there and she's gone. And what do I do with that? And little did I know, the very next day, I would get a phone call from Nikki. Baby, something's going on. We need to get to the hospital. She was in preterm labor. <laughs> May 30th of 2012. And a week later, we had our 24-weeker, Addison, at one pound, nine ounces. And guess where we were? Back in another storm. And I, and I tell you that to say that the, the storms of life are inevitable. If I allowed you to, and you were willing to and able to, you could come up here and rattle off all of that and more and say, Chris, if you had any idea the storms I've gone through, if, you've, if you had any idea the things that I've walked through, that my marriage has walked through, that my family has walked through, the reality is that storms are universal. They're part of the human condition. In fact, Jesus promised that we would experience storms in life, didn't he? 
In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, in this world, disciples, you will have tribulation. You might translate that as, in this world, you will have storms, hardship, grief, sorrow, pain. Jesus did not skirt around the issue. He didn't pretend like those things weren't real. What he said is, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. You have heartache, but I've overcome the world. So in the same way that the recognition of our spiritual poverty, what we looked at last week, that prepares us to receive God's salvation, so I believe that the reality of heartache prepares us to receive God's comfort. It is a blessing because it moves us in the direction of Christ. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, God is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Some of you have received that verse from me via email because that's the one I send whenever people are walking through loss. God saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's near to those who are brokenhearted. And when you understand that, this is how you can accept mourning and grief as a blessing. Because mourning and grief puts you in position to receive the comfort of Jesus. It, it creates an intimacy between you and God. And if that is your goal in life, right? If your goal in life is to be closer to God, to have a, a more intimate love relationship with your Father in heaven, then it's actually grief and heartache that can produce it. Just like in this picture of a, a modern-day shepherd, shepherds, when, when a, uh, a lamb or a sheep is sick or when a, a lamb is injured, guess what they do? They hoist it up, they put it on their, on their back or in their arms, and they carry the sheep. And that sheep is hurting, but it knows it's safe in the arms of of the shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, blessed are those who, are, who mourn, for they will be comforted. My old pastor said it like this, blessing is not when good things happen to us. Blessing is anything that drives me into the arms of Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn. So today, all we're going to do, this is not an informative message. This is not a call to action, like go register for something. What today is, is I want to look at three sources of heartache that God wants you to experience comfort in this morning. And all that I would ask is that you look for yourself in one of these three places. And if you find yourself there, if you find yourself resonating with the heartache that we're talking about or some other place of heartache, that you would just come down at the end of the service and you'd receive the comfort of God in a way that you've never received before. The first heartache we're going to look at this morning is the heartache of personal sin. I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm chapter 51. We'll have it on the screens as well. Psalm chapter 51, to give you some context, there's a king named David who is a great king. He's got a heart for God. He loves God. He's doing incredible things, leading his kingdom. And yet he has fallen into uh, incredibly deep sin. Sin like sleeping with another man's wife and then having her husband killed. And when he's finally brought face to face with what he's done, this is the prayer that David utters in Psalm chapter 51, verses 7 to 12. Purge me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. When David finally confronted what he had done, he, he didn't say that he was sorry for making a mistake, right? He didn't call a 
press conference and force a faked apology to say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry I did it, right? What does David do? Well, David knows the only place to turn when you're in sin that deep is to a savior. And so he takes his sin to God. And as David deals with the personal sin in his life, as he lays it down before the Lord, he experiences the the comfort of God, something he had not experienced in a long time. In fact, in verse 12, that word that we translate into English as uphold, uphold, that verse is actually most frequently used to talk about the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands in the Old Testament and then also in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it primarily was the word that was used to talk about making an animal sacrifice. It would say, you would lay your hands on the animal and slit its throat. Well, guess what? That's not the kind of laying hold of that David's talking about. David knows he's deserving of that. He's deserving of the wrath of God. But there's another laying out of hands that is blessing. And David says, God, though I've sinned, though I'm guilty, though I deserve your judgment, would you lay your hands of comfort and grace upon me? He's begging for the latter, though he knows he deserves the former. In fact, several theologians believe that this context that we're talking about Uh, this is the primary context into which Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn. What they're saying is, so Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, and then blessed are those who mourn. In other words, those who recognize that they're sinners and grieve over their sin, they're the ones who are going to be blessed. That the fact of spiritual poverty leads to the feeling of heartache. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. Because we cannot truly experience the comfort of God until we've experienced the salvation of God, right? Until God is our father. I coach T-ball now, and my little Jonah, the three-year-old, is on my team. And there's a kid having a meltdown every other minute in T-ball. It's three to five-year-olds. <laughs> and so you have these kids just like crying and like, like fall into your arms. And you're like, here, go find your, a parent. Like you're, it's like, it's, it's weird, right? Like, but you know what I do when it's my son? Well, when I'm gracious. Come on, bud. It's okay. Give him a hug. Wipe his tears. Let him sit on my knee for a minute. Talk to him. Coach him up. Get him back on the field. See, there's something about the comfort of God that, that, that we receive when he's our father that we can't receive any other way. Now, God is a God of comfort. And yes, I think even people who aren't walking with Jesus, people who don't know the Lord personally, they can experience the comfort of God because God is a good God. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? And yet, if we really want to experience God's comfort. We have to come to him as a son or a daughter with our father, and that only comes through faith. Some of you, perhaps this morning, I wouldn't know it, the person next to you wouldn't know it, but you're experiencing heartache because you have sin that you've not yet dealt with. And I want you to have opportunity at the end of this message. I want you to have opportunity to just come and deal with God. We're not going to ask you to, to confess that to a person. We're not going to make you blurt that out. You just come. We won't even know why you're there, but you'll know why. Here's a second source of heartache, the heartache of failed expectations. If you've got a Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, th- this one is a broad category. There's a lot that can go under this, but I've got to tell you that the, the woman we're going to read about in just a second, her name is Hannah. Hannah ha- is not able to have children. Th- that's always been a source of grief. In fact, for women in the Bible, that's, I think, the primary pain point that you see. So many women. In fact, listen to a list of women that, that, that weren't able to have children. Hannah, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, um, Elizabeth, on and on and on. 
And this is what Hannah does about her situation. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction, the heartache of your servant, and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart and her lips moved, yet her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Translation, I'm hurting. I have heartache. And Hannah brought the heartache of that failed expectation and laid it down before the Lord. Pastor David, our senior pastor at First Orlando, has pointed out that when in, the, in Genesis chapter 3, when the curse comes over the man and the woman, and it says to the woman that God will increase her pains in childbirth. Well, those of you that have born children know part of what that means. But there's another part to what that means. It, it's not just physical pain associated with the delivery of a child. But it's actually this idea that what was so natural before, that children are born and they thrive and everything goes well, now all of a sudden it's going to be complicated. It's going to be messy. There's going to be pain in the process. Some won't be able to conceive. Others will conceive and have preterm labors. Some will miscarry. And it's tragic and it's horrible. And it's all heartache. For others of you, that failed expectation is the expectations of what your child or your children would be and become. And now you're walking with a prodigal. And you have no idea what to do about it. And you've laid hold of the promise, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And you're going, God, did we not do that? Where did we go wrong? Did we mess something up? Because we took that child to church, and we, we tried to, and we prayed for, but, but now here we are. Where did we go wrong? Some of you, that failed expectation is around your marriage. And you're saying things like, I can't believe we ended up here. Or I never would have thought it could happen to me. Or all I ever wanted was, but now you're sitting with a shattered pieces of glass and you don't know how to put it all back together. And now you've got emotional heartache. Now you've got questions you can't answer. Now you're trying to figure out how to move forward. Others, singleness and the desire to be married. For others, it's, it's complications with work or unrealized goals with your career. And, and all of these things produce in us this heartache over failed expectations. And whatever that failed expectation is, is kind of irrelevant. The point is that in the gap between what we thought it would be and what it is, there's pain. And this morning, some of you just need to acknowledge that there's pain in one of those areas or another. The pain of going, God, I thought you gave me a picture. Man, I thought, I thought I had the vision right. I thought we were going to end up here. And now we couldn't be further from there, and I don't know what to do with that. And I'm going to ask that you let that take you to your comfort of Jesus this morning. Here's the third source of heartache, and the final one we'll look at this morning. The heartache of sickness and death. 
Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. As I told you earlier in the, in the message, Jesus was often interrupted by people who were in the middle of pain, and this is one of my favorite examples of that. Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 43, this is what it says. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. I'm going to stop there. One of the things that's been noticed in the passage we just looked at, and that I'll finish in a second, is this terminology, 12 years. Did you catch that? That there's a 12-year-old girl who has enjoyed a, presumably a great life, but now she's at the point of death. And there's a woman who's been dealing with a really hard life, a disease, a sickness for 12 years, and she's about to experience healing. And in either case, if you were to stop the tape in the middle of the story, you'd go, God, what is going on here? Right? Like, that's too long to suffer. No one should have to suffer like that for 12 years. Or you might say, that's too young to die. No one should bury their 12-year-old. Or you might just say, it's just not supposed to be this way. Well, if you know the rest of the story, both that woman and that little girl are touched by Jesus. And when they're touched, the bleeding stops for the woman. The life is returned to the little girl. But there's something else that happens in the passage. We don't have time to read it, but I want to share with you what Jesus says to these two individuals. He says to the woman with the issue of blood, he says, daughter, go in peace. And he says to the little girl, child, arise. What I want you to hear this morning for whatever your heartache, whatever pain you're going through is to hear Jesus' daughter go in peace or Jesus' son be set free or Jesus' child arise. Because Jesus came to demonstrate, though he didn't heal every sickness and didn't reverse every death, he came to demonstrate that though pain, sickness, suffering, and death are part of our story, they're not the final chapter. And there will come a day when all of that is behind us, when we no longer have to deal with the heartache of life. That is the promise of Jesus in eternal life. I want to close with one passage that for me has been an anchor passage through all of my seasons of heartache and pain and suffering. Revelation chapter 21 and Jesus uh, giving a vision to John. John says this in Revelation 21 beginning at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain any more for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Friends, I want you to know this morning that whatever the heartache is in your life, maybe it's from your past and you've just never really quite dealt with it, or maybe you're in the middle of that heartache right now, Jesus wants to be your comforter now, and one day you will experience that no more. 
And so as we close, here's what I want to give you opportunity to do. We've got the mat up here. We've got some kneeling pillows. Use either or both. But if you know in your heart, this, this is an opportunity for me to, to just deal with some things, to just lay down some burdens before the Lord. I'm going to ask that you do that. And I've even asked the prayer team. I've said, guys, give some space for this to happen. We want you to come like Hannah throwing herself down in the temple. We just want you to be able to get on your knees or get on your face or just stand before the Lord down here and receive his comfort. And before we dismiss, we'll have opportunity for you to be prayed for and prayed with by one of the members of the prayer team. Well, the worship team is going to go back into the song that they introduced us to earlier, Highlands. And I've asked them to wait. There's a line in the song that you're going to hear in just a moment. And I said, don't, don't, do this at the front end. I want to save it for the back end because this one line, this lyric, this part of the song is our hope and is our victory. And some of you need to lay hold of this hope and this promise today. The lyrics simply say this, from the gravest of all valleys come the pastures we call grace, a mighty river flowing upward from a deep but empty grave. The thing I was able to share with Bev when I met with her on Friday how beautiful it is that because God gave his son, you can see your son again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become in him the righteousness of God. If you need to lay a burden down, if you need to receive the comfort of the Lord today, we want you to do that uh, as the team sings. Why don't we stand? Let's worship together as we close. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.